welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans by fans. We're not affiliated with Obsidian at all, but would gladly share our Halloween candy with them. My name is Sora, and I will be your host each week as we discuss everything related to the Avowed uh, computer game, the world of Aora, Pillars of Eternity, RPG gaming, and, well, whatever else comes up. This week, our topic focuses on, well, whatever else comes up, which is Microsoft's purchase of Zenimedia and Bethesda Game Studios. Was I supposed to understand any of that? Either the words or the vomiting? Uh, hey guys, Jed Mandu here, Jed for short. Uh, I've actually uh, been playing uh, Outward, uh, a game that came out, I think, last year. It's kind of an indie RPG. Uh, the basic premise is like, there's this big expansive fantasy world and you are nobody special. Um, you're just regular schlub, got to work off some debt. Uh, you know, you can become an adventurer if you want and, you know, be all uh, heroic and everything, but the odds are firmly stacked against you. And I've actually been streaming it uh, with my with my friend Dax over at my Twitch channel, and uh, and it's it's actually been a really good time. What's uh, your tw- What's your Twitch uh, oh. channel? Oh, sure, I can plug that. Uh, it, I mean, it, don't you know? Don't twist my arm. Um, <laughs> it's It's just twitch.tv slash Jedmandu. Jesse, what have you been doing? Um, I have been mostly just playing uh, through Sekiro, trying to get one hundred percent on that. And besides that, I've been playing a lot of Morrowind lately because I'm just I'm I'm in that mood. I can handle the the Wikipedia text uh, dialogue that it has. I don't know what what's going on. I'm just in that mindset, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. That's a good one, definitely. Um, we all like playing a good book every now and then. That's basically what it is. I I actually got really frustrated the other day because um I had to do this really weird, obnoxiously long quest for the fighters guild of all things and i got stuck because i couldn't quite figure out how to get around a specific mountain because i could just couldn't quite climb through it so after like 25 minutes of trying to get through this mountain or around the mountain i ended up just turning off uh the collision and just walking straight (laughs) through it wow i was just so frustrated and then um i made my way back to balmora only to find out that she had no more quests for me and she told me to go to two other fighters guilds. And it's been like three years since I've played through Morrowind. So um, I went to a fighters guild in Aldrun, and it took me like 10 minutes to find it. Uh, and then found out that they also didn't have any quests for me. So then I took another <laughs> 25 minutes to go to Vivek and uh, look around there trying to find the fighters guild. I ended up, because uh, I forgot how Vivek worked, so I had to spend... Uh, a few minutes watching a YouTube video to find the location of the Fighters Guild. And then I made my way to a Fighters Guild and found out that they wanted me to basically go across the map uh, to complete a quest. And I was like, all right, then, well, I've had enough of this for today. So that's been my experiences with gaming so uh, for the past like week. I love that's... it when, when games aren't afraid to inconvenience you. That's a hard one to go back and play. I, I mean, seriously, I I... I tried a while ago. It I love the game. There's no question I love that game and the memories I have with it, but it's a tough one. It's 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 a lot of these games, you know, that you have especially if you played them when they came out, you have these memories and but you go back and they just don't 
translate as well, you know? It's true. It's true. I do love Morrowind for the... I love the early game struggle. I've mentioned that before. Uh, so I, I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I like how it makes you feel like an outlander because I had no idea where the hell I was going half the time. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it's it's good for immersion, but man, is um, if you want to feel that sense of accomplishment and get that dopamine rush, you are just going to have to fight tooth and nail for it. Yeah. Uh, so we have Calvary with us. Calvary, you want to tell us what you've been up to? Yeah. Um. Hey guys, uh, Calvary here. Um. So uh, for me, this past week, uh, I'm, I'm in college, so uh, I've been pretty busy with schoolwork and uh, getting started with an internship. So I haven't had too much time for gaming. But uh, what I've been uh, playing is uh, I uh, played a little bit of the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater uh, 1 and 2 uh, remake, and that's been pretty good. Uh, I, I think what's fun about that game is just, uh, you know, just pretty much completing the challenges. It's pretty much uh, like a blast, uh, yeah, blast in the past uh, type of deal. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. And uh, I've also got a trial to uh for uh, the beta of, of Star Citizen, where I got like a spaceship to try out for free. Oh, so, man. Yeah, I've been uh, playing a little bit of that, too, uh, which is, yeah, the, the scope of that game is just insane. Um, now, but, is, uh, it, is that still in beta? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah, I, I just I played the beta and uh, and yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Uh, I think uh, probably uh, the hardest thing is trying to understand the controls um, that and uh, landing a spaceship on another planet is also really difficult. So that's that's what I've been up to. Well, that's a guy. I mean, the, that's been around for a while, obviously, and has uh, people have thrown a lot of money into that, too. I think early, early access money a long time ago was a big story. Some people paying like 25 grand for a spaceship or something. I don't I don't remember the specifics, but it, <laughs> it was pretty mind blowing the following that that game has had over the years. Um, Imagine having 25 grand to blow on an in-game asset. Oh, that's the dream, man. Yeah. I, I have some friends who are really, really into that game. And I, I, I don't, I'm afraid to ask how much money they've sunk into it. But even still, they seem really hyped for it. Like they don't seem disappointed. It, it seems like a really cool experience, if nothing else. No, it it definitely is. Uh, but yeah, I don't have <laughs> near that type of money to spend on a spaceship. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I was able to get like a trial for like they uh you uh, you go to like one of these uh showcase rooms that they have in the game and you get to like kind of fly around like one of their spaceships they give you. So yeah, I was kind of able to play with that. So yeah, it's just pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, parenthesis, you're joining us from overseas. How you doing? I'm doing fine. You've been playing any games lately? Yes, actually, I have uh, been noodling around with Frostpunk as I usually do. It's a two-year-oldish game. It's a survival strategy game where the Earth is undergoing an extreme cooling in the Victorian era, and uh, part of the British Empire is fleeing to the Arctic to survive. It's pretty sweet. That sounds awesome. I've never heard of this. Yeah, is that on a Steam title? or? Oh, yeah, it's, it's on everything. Uh, okay. Also, the console. So the DLC isn't out there. Um, so it's a pretty sweet game. It's short-ish. It has like five or six uh, scenarios you can play through, and then there's an endless mode. So it's like a strategy, I'm seeing like sort of city builder kind of... Yeah, it, it's a city builder, but uh, 
but with a survival twist. So it's sort of like you have to take care of food, coal, healthcare, and also, and that is the important thing, managing the political situation. You need to, um, the people are not automatons. They are a resource, but you, they are also people. You have to take care that your despair does not go to the max or that your hope falls to zero. If either of these happens, you're fucked. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> it sounds, sounds awesome. Like, sounds a lot like RimWorld. Oh, man, it actually kind of does. Yeah. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Thanks for the, the tip, parenthesis. That's, that's more money I have to spend, but that's okay. <laughs> it's like 30 bucks. That's not bad, right? Yeah, especially yeah. when it, that kind of leads us into, since we're talking money, that leads us into what our first topic is today. So as you know, uh, on Monday at 6 a.m. Easter, 6 a.m. Pacific time, I guess, uh, a tweet came out uh, that announced that Microsoft had paid $7.5 billion cash to purchase Zenimedia, which means they purchased Bethesda, id Software, um, Zenimax Online, which is uh, Elder Scrolls Online and Fallout 76, Arcane Studios, which is Dishonored and Deathloop, uh, Machine Games is a Wolfenstein title. Uh, Tango Gameworks, which is The Evil Within, which is a good grab for them. And I think Ghostwire Tokyo is them too. Alpha Dog was a part of that purchase. Um, they just work on mobile games. And then Roundhouse Studios, which is the Prey people. Um, 7.5 billion cash. What's your reaction to that initially when you heard? So wait, let me, before you, before you jump in, Every generation has a moment, right? Like, <laughs> like my parents, my parents were like, I remember when someone landed on the moon, right? I remember where I was, what I was doing, exactly what happened that day. <clears throat> I remember where I was. I was actually, um, I'd just gone, I'd just been exercising. I just came back home. I was actually plugging in my phone to charge it. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to check IGN real quick just to see if anything's going on. And I almost feel like I stopped breathing for like 30 seconds. I was like, I can't this, I can't even process this. So two questions. Where were you when you heard the news? And what was your initial gut reaction? Anybody want to jump? I mean, I don't remember where I was, unfortunately, but my, my gut was basically, oh, maybe the next fallout will be good now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Because, I mean, Bethesda has made some missteps lately. And I feel like if 76 had been better from launch, maybe this wouldn't be happening, you know? Um, maybe maybe they put themselves in on kind of the back foot, uh, you know, revenue-wise with that. Um, or at least standing-wise in the industry, because... I, you know, you'd be hard pressed to to find someone who played Fallout seventy six at launch and went, "This is a good game." Like they might yeah. have said, "This is a this is an okay game." They're up to like patch number forty four or something. Maybe it's even bit more than that. Maybe it was seventy. I know they've put out so many patches for that at this oh, point. Oh yeah, I well, mean, I haven't played it since it's patched, so I don't know what it's like now. Do you remember that early patch that was bigger than the original install of the right, game? Right. Like yes. <laughs> Yeah, Bethesda, I think, has been mismanaged for uh, a while now. And if, you know, I, I, I 
kind of trust Microsoft to maybe hopefully guide them in the right. Like, okay, look, I don't, I don't like this whole trend of big conglomerates getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, look at Disney, right? But maybe they'll make some better content now. That's my hope, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. Anybody else want to jump in? So oh. um, I, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I was actually cracking up the entire time that you were talking about how um, you remember where you were when it happened. Yes. <laughs> uh, because I do incredibly well. Uh, I had just gotten up because I have tweet notifications on for uh, Bethesda Game Studios and immediately saw something about Todd Howard's um, statement about the new deal with Microsoft. I was like, ooh, interesting. So I read through his statement and it gave me nothing. I was like, okay, interesting. So I had to uh, look up more. I had just woken up. In fact, I was like getting out of bed while I was reading this and uh, I found, I realized, oh, Microsoft bought Bethesda, and so I looked and I found out that they owned everything from Doom to Prey to Dishonored to Fallout, and um, yeah, my initial reaction was similar to to Jed's. Um, I, I'm I was really hopeful that hey, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll have more resources now. You know, they definitely probably have more money, so uh, they're not at the mercy of stockholders or anything like that anymore. Now it's just gonna Microsoft can let them do what they do and do it well they're not yeah. pushed to release stuff or anything like that because i'm of the opinion that 76 was a zenimax thing they just wanted some something that they could constantly have making money yeah they that the elder sense. scrolls yeah. online i mean it's a money it's a money cow for them eso is a money money maker i mean it's a good product i will say i i enjoy it for the most part um, but it's, that's what it does. It's, it's the Warcraft for Elder Scrolls. So they're, they're doing the same with Fallout. That's exactly what they're doing. I don't, I'm kind of don't feel like Fallout 76 is a passion project. It didn't feel like it as right. much. Yeah. And you and I had kind of discussed that on the, on the recording last Saturday. Right. Um, where it's like Blizzard had Warcraft just pumping in money into them for years and years and years. And that's like any company's dream. So 76, I look at, I, I also don't think that was a passion project. I think that was more because ZeniMax was like, we want money and we want a constant stream of it. So uh, Microsoft doesn't really have that problem. Microsoft definitely wants money, but they're not sitting there trying to appease stockholders or anything like that constantly. I think that you're going to have better products probably. But um, I think that Microsoft is way different now as well. They're not, they're they're not as oppressive. They're not as demanding. I, I think they recognize that Bethesda does certain things really well, and they're just gonna leave them to it. And yeah. I, I, the the impression, uh, like having having read a few articles and like personal accounts from people who've worked at Bethesda, the impression I always got was like they have like the developer the developers have sort of had their interests overridden by upper management over the course of of you know of the years um so basically those passion projects that you're talking about kind of don't really happen anymore because upper management isn't interested in them they're they're interested in like you said making money and i think i think if they can get big daddy microsoft to just bankroll whatever the hell they want to make then yeah they can definitely 
definitely uh, dig themselves out of the 76 hole, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, Calvary, where were you when you heard the news? <laughs> so uh, I-, I was pretty much laughing at Jed Mandu's uh, gut reaction just, <laughs> ju- just because um, – my, my gut, re- yeah, you'll, you'll like this. My gut reaction was, so I, I was at home and I got on Reddit and, and I seen what, like one of the like new best posts. And the, the post said that uh, now that Microsoft purchased Bethesda, maybe they'll light, light a fire under their ass. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, at first, I, when I read that, I was kind of like in disbelief. I was like, you know, like, huh? And then I kind of uh, then I went to Google to kind of like just type it in to like to see if that was true. And then yeah, then I seen that yeah Microsoft purchased uh, ZeniMax Studios for seven point five billion dollars. And then my my initial reaction was like, what? Like that? Yeah, like it, it's it's crazy. I kinda, that like changes a, a lot of things as far as uh, just uh, the like console wars. Um, you know Bethesda in general. And yeah, I think that. Yeah, uh, just kind of like what Jesse and Jim and are saying. Um, now that uh, Bethesda is under Microsoft, maybe Microsoft can kind of help Bethesda to kind of guide them back on track to kind of to make those great games that we know that uh, they can make. And hopefully it will decrease monetization um, because I'm sh- I'm still I'm still sure that uh, future games will probably unfortunately have microtransactions, but under Microsoft, if they can just reduce that, I mean, that I, I definitely consider that a win. That's a good point. Uh, parenthesis, when did you hear about the news? I had just finished up, um, I just finished up doing some training and I laughed my head off when I heard it because now <laughs> we have truly entered the subscription, uh, the time of the subscription wars. I mean, this is, at least it's in my mind, clearly a play to balls where there are, Xbox Game Pass, and a general move to to move from products to subscriptions, while which is less profitable uh, as a lump sum, but more profitable in the way that you can the bean counters can better allocate and think about what are our budgets, what is our income for this time period. So yeah, it's definitely a strong move, definitely. So do you, how do you feel about that parenthesis? I'm curious, how do you, would you buy into the whole subscription thing or are you against that? I mean, it's, uh, it's difficult. I mean, I, I like to have things, but I've also <laughs> come to the kind of the conclusion that, I mean, games are becoming more and more disposable in, in a sense. I mean, we play a game, at least I do play a game and I don't really have the time to play it again. So if I had, to buy it again some 20 years down the line. I wouldn't mind that. I mean, that time it would cost what? About equivalent of $20 or something like that. Uh, it's, it's not really a, a problem. So if it's a subscription service, well, that's that's okay, I guess. I mean, it means someone else has control over what I can play and where I can play it. But from a, you know, do I own this? How much do I have to pay for it? Uh, perspective, not really, that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Are you willing to pay a per month now? I mean, it's interesting to to uh, I hadn't I hadn't considered the Game Pass perspective, but that's a that's actually a really good point because um, that that really does strengthen the the standing of Game Pass. I, I mean, a lot of people I think have been on the fence about it. Um, I personally have had I think I've had Game Pass uh, 
since my friends wanted to try out Sea of Thieves with me, and uh, I think I actually got Outer Worlds on Game Pass as well. Um, and like, I I kind of really like the service. Like it 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 allows you it allows a lot more flexibility. I feel like on both ends, it allows more flexibility as the consumer for me because I can just go out there and be like, okay, what do I feel like playing today? You know, um, I don't I don't have to you know feel like committed to one game or another. Um, but like you said, that, that does mean the games are a bit more disposable uh, for sure uh, individually. But also I feel like, I feel like it might free up developers a little bit to get a little more creative because individual games might not matter as much now as the entirety of the catalog. Right. Right. That's true. That's a good point. But they also they also might, uh, you know, there's a there's also negatives to it. And I think those are pretty obvious, like cutting up games into chapters or or one of the things people don't realize is if you're not a uh, Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, that's the PC and Xbox combined. um, First off, you don't get the gold benefit of, of multiplayer, but you also don't get free DLC and additional content. Um, so if oh, you gross. so if you just pay for the PC version or you just pay for the console one, which is ten dollars a month, you don't get that stuff. That that then becomes almost kind of the microtransaction. I mean, even though it isn't, but it almost becomes that that revenue builder. So then, what are they going to do? Or then the, I'm just being devil's advocate. Then they jump in and say, "Well, why don't we just take this section of the game?" And let's make that DLC since we made so much money on the DLC last time. They're still getting the game on Game Pass, but we're going to cut this part out and make that DLC, even though maybe it should have been in the original game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's definitely I think that's already happening to an extent, but I think you're right that it, it might exacerbate that. Yeah, so I, I'm going to throw some numbers out at you, and I want I want to get your feedback on these. I was I was doing some research. This I found this really interesting. So we know that they paid 7.5 billion cash. Okay, that doesn't mean that Phil walked in with a briefcase. It just means that <laughs> that it was pure money. They didn't give them assets. They didn't give stocks. They that was it was basically a, a straight transaction. Um, so. One of the other things that I wanted to bring up was that Microsoft is 136 billion surplus. They have 136 billion surplus to play with. That's they could spend that 136 billion dollars in surplus and they would still be in the black year to year. That's their play money. So Ooh. let's let's take that figure, 136 billion. Let's put that off to the side for a little bit. You realize that they spent $2.5 billion for Mojang, which is Minecraft, which they've now turned into uh, an incredible franchise worth way more than that. Regardless of how you feel about the changes they've done or the platforms they've pushed it to, they've made that a money-making machine. There's no question about it. That game lives on forever. Uh, is, for a pure example, my, my teenage daughter was playing it last night with her friends. You know, And so that, that game is going to be around forever. Disney... We, you were talking about Disney earlier. They bought the entire Star Wars franchise, the entire thing, including merchandise and everything, for $4 billion. Oh, wow. And side note, side note, they didn't even break even on that deal until after Rogue One. 
Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> but see, that's perpetual. They're going to keep making money off of that. But here's here's the kicker. Here's the here's where it gets interesting. Um, Sony's total operating income for gaming last year. This is the operating income. This is after they paid all their expenses. They paid their employees. They paid for licenses. All that junk is done. Their total operating income last year was $2.5 billion. Just keep that in your head. Wow. That's, that's all one, of last year. That's one Mojang. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's even better. Let, let's look at it this way. So we have $136 billion to spend, and we're Microsoft. What about this purchase? They can buy Sony for $72 billion. That's not just Sony gaming. They can buy Sony, period, for $72 billion. They can buy Nintendo for $40 billion. They could buy both Sony and Nintendo tomorrow and still be in the black year to year. That, yeah, I think that's digest crazy. that a little bit. <laughs> well, boys, it's been a good run, but uh, I, I well, guess we live in the age of the Maker Corp. Yeah, yeah, true. And, you know, slowly edging towards the cyberpunk dystopia that we all know is coming. Yeah, I mean, there, there's obvious negatives to that. I mean, the, the fact that Microsoft makes most of their money off licensing, we know that it's been that way for decades. You know, they, they are on every Basically, uh, you know, every PC around the world, they, the only person who ever really tried to make a run at them was Red Hat, and that didn't go anywhere. Um, so, you know, you have a PC nowadays, there's a 99% chance it's running Windows. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's pervasive. So they're making money. They're, they're making a ton of money. But I think there's a positive to it as well. Um, and I, I would almost say that I think the positive factor in this whole equation, I think the difference is uh, Phil Spencer. And the reason I feel like he is, he is the difference in the equation is because if you go back to 2017, he recounts a discussion that he had with uh, Satya uh, Nadella, the, the, the head dude at Microsoft, and many people don't know this, but in 2017, there, there was actually a discussion of where are we going? You know, after the whole Xbox One fiasco. Um, oh, yeah. They were like, what are we going to do? We're getting killed in this division. I mean, yeah, we can afford to get killed. Um, but what are we going to do? Um, and it was Phil who persuaded him, at least this is what I've heard, it was Phil who kind of helped persuade him that this was an area that was going to generate almost as much income um, as other areas in their business. And I feel like the, the licensing model, you know, that of course Sachi is fully aware of how much money that brings in, kind of plays into the whole concept of the subscription thing that they're, they're doing. I mean, they're essentially playing a different game than both Sony and Nintendo, which Sony still obviously hasn't caught on to yet, which I cannot believe this. Sony still thinks it's console wars. Yeah. Me versus you. And we're going to beat you. Microsoft doesn't care if you buy the Xbox Series X. They're not going to make money off of that. They could care less. They're losing uh, $200 on each unit they sell this holiday. 
who cares? They're not in that game. They're in the subscription game. They're in the, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the game pass game, the something that uh, will give them revenue each year. And there, there's been studies that show that 70% of the people who buy into a subscription keep it for three to five years sometimes keep it beyond even when they're using the product because it's it's so hard to cancel or for some reason psychologically people forget or or don't cancel so it's it's this pervasive model i think to steer it back around though to bethesda um and what's going on there i did read a quote from phil spencer who who initially the knee-jerk reaction was what some of you had said and i think that's valid that you know this conglomerate is taking over this small company and well not really small but this <laughs> company um and is you know going to maybe change the products maybe in a positive way but also maybe in a negative way maybe this becomes maybe that maybe fallout becomes moneymaker fallout instead of maybe it goes more towards that moneymaker side than it does towards the passion project. And that's something you lose when a little studio kind of gets taken over. So Phil said this, uh, this was just a couple of days ago, that um, Xbox Studios will continue to run, quote unquote, semi-independently to maintain internal culture, creativity, and productivity. The studios that join us will all release on Game Pass per agreement. Um, Exclusivity will be determined on a case-by-case -case basis, but the idea is they want to preserve that internal culture. So they kind of done that with Obsidian, right? Which is what our whole what our whole uh, podcast is about is about, right? So uh, the heads of Obsidian have even claimed that yeah, they leave us alone. They help us, but they leave us alone uh, at the same time. So here's my question to you: Is do you feel like that is just wordsmith? Or do you feel like there's a legitimacy there that that maybe there's this new model of corporate conglomerate that can take over a small entity, small compared to them, but yet stand back and leave them alone? Do you think that's possible? Sort of an anti-EA? Right. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. You know, they they've they seem to be doing pretty good with Obsidian so far. Um, personally, I, I kind of, I kind of hope that they, well, okay. I, I hope that, I hope that they get Zenimax to leave Bethesda alone, basically. <laughs> that, that's the only change that I really want to make, uh, that I really that want them to make, point. you know, uh, cause I think Bethesda on their own are actually really good developers. They're good at, uh, you know, th they're, they're ambitious, you know? I think there's a lot of love for, say, you know, uh, the world of the Elder Scrolls over there or, you know, uh, Fallout. But I think a lot of that, a lot of the ambition that um, Bethesda's uh, developers have is squandered a little bit when the publisher gets involved and says, okay, you got to cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this, and, uh, you know, make it work, whatever we've got a, you know, we've got a release date in a month. Good luck, you know? Um, so I think, I think getting, getting those fingers out of the pie will uh, make the pie taste a lot um, better. 
I, I see what you're saying. I see yeah. What you're saying. Nobody so, likes too many fingers in a pie, basically. No, uh, it's it's very true. Uh, I I see what you're saying. Um, I for the record, um, I actually work in construction. Um, I'm a I'm an inspector for third party stuff. So I I bring this up because um, there will be problems with uh, say a bioretention pond. Like I, I was at a site one time where it was like someone's front door five feet and then a huge biopond that sloped down and there was not going to be a fence around it or anything when you say a biopond is that it, what i think it is it, it's basically um like a, a little pit essentially that holds water and uh storm drains usually uh wash out into there uh, okay so so if you have one that's really steep and really big and a child falls into it, they're probably going to drown. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you have one that's like five feet away from someone's door, that's bad. Especially when there's no fence and they were over, they were designed weird so that they can't get the slope, the the shallow slope that they wanted because they're so big and put between two buildings. So they end up having a much steeper slope, so a kid can easily like fall in and just not get out when there's no fence. And so. I brought it up to the project manager. The project manager brought it up to the engineer and the architects. And uh, he was told like five times in a row, make it work. Ugh. So um, when you have, I, I can tell you right now, when you have evil corporate overlords like Zenimax, and you have Bethesda that's over here wanting to finish the, the College of Winterhold quest so that way Winterhold is not a dump the entire game. And oh my gosh, don't get yeah. me started. Yeah, yeah. When you have something like that, and they're just like, look, we want 11, 11, 11. All right. It's a pretty number. Yeah. It's easy to market. You <laughs> oh, are I going forgot to about finish. that. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right. Yeah, we want make it work. We want that date. Make it work. We don't care what you cut. We don't care what you have to get uh, take out. We don't care what you can or cannot put in. We just want the game done. And yep. so I guarantee it's just a make it work thing. They're not saying cut this specifically. So I, I agree. I agree. And honestly, I don't imagine that you're going to have that as much now because um, Zenimax was, I mean, Zenimax is basically the entity that owns all the other ones, right? But yeah. it was essentially run by stockholders. Well, now those stockholders got paid $7.5 billion and they, yes. don't have, they don't have any word over what happens anymore. So I think mostly it's now up to the studios themselves. I would imagine I could be totally wrong on that because I'm not uh, a corporate overlord. So I don't know entirely, but I imagine that there's going to be a little bit more freedom. And now the studios can make more decisions based on, off of themselves and what they do rather well, than appeasing. Satya came out just this was just a couple of days ago and uh, Satya Nadella came out and said when was asked directly from uh, I don't know if it was IGN or one of the other media outlets, um, you know, are, are you done? And explicitly, he said, we are not done shopping yet. We will buy more studios. It's just a matter of time and a matter of what it, is going to be the perfect fit. And then he wordsmithed it a little bit, but it was very obvious from what he said that, that they're, they're not done. And just to throw this in 
out there, you know, there, there's been some rumors of, of ones that they actually might be looking at. And I'm sure you've heard some of these already. Some of them are pretty funny. Um, some of them are interesting. Um, some of them are mind blowing. Um, again, these are the, these are uh, other media outlets that work closely with the industry who have thrown out some names that they've heard either at E3s in the past or that, that Microsoft has been interested in looking at. Um, one is Sega, uh, Warner Brothers, which owns Arkham and Lego games and Middle Earth and Harry Potter. Um, Bungie. Now, this is interesting. Bungie was interesting because there is a there is been some uh, reporting out there that Bungie they are probably presented their their acquisition to them before they maybe even knew that they were going to go after uh, uh, Bethesda and that they turned them down and that Bungie turned them down and that the result of that was kind of this agreement that they have going of, of, of sharing of resources. But um, another one is Remedy. I don't know if you ever played Alan Wake. Of course, Remedy is the control people and Max Payne. Oh, uh, control. Yeah, yeah, I heard that was really good. Yeah, Platinum Games is another one that's been thrown out there. That's oh my God, Nera Automata and Bayonetta. So, uh, but that's not the one that made me pause. <laughs> the oh, one, that, the okay. one that made me pause, and I saw this in three different uh, online articles from reputable uh, people who represent media for the industry. This isn't just some Reddit post by Sponger. This is legitimate, you know, I would think they would throw this name out unless it was, and I, I almost even don't want to say it. Please say but, Bandai Namco. Come on, Please man. Say Bandai Namco. Bring it on. Say it. Say it. CD Projekt Red. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh. I mean, okay. Okay. Man, think of what would... they could do with a Microsoft-sized budget, though. True. It would be a big game changer if they got them. You might be able oh to go into God. every building in uh, Cyberpunk. <laughs> oh I, I like what I'm yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of those will probably happen anytime soon. I think that I think that here's what my theory is. My theory is that the um, this this deal has been in the works for a while. It has been something that they this been their trump card that they've been holding back. I think there's a lot of motivation behind this deal. I think one of the big problems that Microsoft has right now is they, for some reason, I don't understand why this is still so pervasive, but people think uh, Microsoft and gaming and they think Xbox. And for some reason, PC just it doesn't get in the conversation. I don't even understand that. Like people talk about Game Pass and immediately they go to Xbox games. And well, I'm like, I think it's I think it's just a function of like how the PC is still viewed by most people. Most people don't see it as uh, okay. So like an Xbox is a is primarily right a gaming machine. People see a PC and they see it as primarily like a pro a productivity tool, right? I think that's a least. good point. Uh, you know, it's a psychological thing. Or at least but that's, look, that's at the, my, uh, look at the look at listen theory. to the, these titles. These are PC titles. These are primarily, in my opinion, PC titles. Um, you're talking about Doom. You're talking about Fallout. 
Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein. Um, these these are solid PC releases, right? It's true. It's true. I mean, so maybe that was kind of their 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 thing is they're trying to get that blemish or that that look of just Xbox for gaming um, off of off of the plate because then maybe uh, that audience, which I think is bigger, arguably um, the PC gaming audience, possibly is maybe a little bit bigger. Um, don't mm. have any stats to back that up. I know, I know, uh, but mm. I, I think they're sending a message. And here's the message I think Phil Spencer is sending. And the message is not to us. The message is not to you. The message is not to the gamer. The message I think they're sending is to the other studios out there. I think they are sending an explicit message and they're saying, look at what we did with Obsidian. Look at what we're now doing with Xenomedia uh, properties um, and Bethesda. Um, watch us for a year or two years. Watch and see what happens. Watch and see how we treat these studios. Watch and see how these studios prosper. Watch us do what I say we're going to do and keep our hands out of the pot. And then once they watch that and see that, those people will open up more, maybe. Yeah. So, Sorg, uh, kind of going uh, back to uh, your question on if uh, corporations taking over like smaller companies is a good or bad thing, and kind of going based off uh, what you're saying uh, too uh, with Microsoft is, um, I, I think it could be a good or a bad thing um, depending on the company. Uh, when Jesse was saying uh, about like uh, his construction work and like you know we don't care. Uh, how you get it done, uh, you know, what you cut, what you do, just get it done on this release date. That, you know, what game that immediately popped into my head was Anthem and how that was. Oh, like, yeah. yes. And yeah, and obviously that turned out to be a giant mess. So for me, when I look at uh, Microsoft, you know, buying Bethesda and looking at what they would, what they would do with like, uh, what Bethesda, like Beth specifically Bethesda game studios and the games they would make, um, that, in my opinion, is like, yeah, kind of seeing how, uh, how Bethesda has been doing. It's like, yeah, I kind of want them to kind of step in just just to say, like, you know, hey, you know, don't worry about, you know, uh, the release date. Just take your time. Make make the game that you want to make. And, you know, uh, you know, just just make a good game. That's kind of what I'm hoping that Microsoft does. And kind of like what Jed Mandu said, you know, uh, seeing kind of like how Microsoft has treated Obsidian so far. I mean, we uh, uh, we look at uh, Outer Worlds, and even though uh, that was kind of just like a smaller game, you know, I enjoyed it. And like that game, e even the basis of that game is about corporations taking over the system. So uh, that's a really good point, actually. So yeah, um, I, I think that uh, Microsoft uh, with Bethesda will be a good thing for the studio, but we'll see. But I am confident that. It, it's going to be a good thing for Bethesda going forward. So, so here's, here's my, here's a, a concern that just popped into my head. Um, as, as Microsoft and other big conglomerates start soaking up studio after studio after studio, you know, I think, I think that there's a possibility that we might get less controversial games, you know, less um fewer games that kind of push the envelope because very good point 
you know, you don't want controversy as as one of those big corporations or uh, although, you know, maybe yeah. maybe sometimes you do. I don't know. But, it, you know, you want the right kind of controversy, I guess. And so it, it's possible that that, you know, they might not sign off on certain things. But also, uh, Cavalry, you, br- you brought up something really interesting, which is that uh, Microsoft buys Obsidian. And what's the first thing that Obsidian makes under Microsoft? Outer Worlds, a game just lambasting giant, giant corporate conglomerates. That's and very the, the interesting. Uh, I see what you're saying, but the Outer Worlds was in development before they were bought out by Microsoft. Oh, the, the, was it? I didn't know that. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, I, well. That was, um, a game like the Outer Worlds has a lot of a lot of years of work behind it. So That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think I, the way I see it avowed is going to be the first game that they really release under the uh, under them being bought by microsoft well, i but mean the, maybe maybe grounded would oh be, yeah like, ground grounded would have been it i think yeah but but so it'll yeah. be interesting uh with avowed actually to see because pillars of eternity one and two had some really um dark and oppressive and uh okay i'm gonna say edgy but not like in a uh you know teenage youtube troll kind of way but like you know nothing personnel kid <laughs> yeah you remember that time when theos just teleports behind you and step no anyway um it's not a mainstream flavor right exactly know. so it'll be very very interesting to see where avowed goes in light of that it's see if see if we can see microsoft's you know corporate fingerprint on there reining some of that in i really personally hope not because i love the darkness of pillars of eternity I, I i think that's what gives it such such a dramatic weight uh in in a lot of senses so how yeah. does it how does it change the scope now that uh avowed and elder scrolls are sisters or brothers <laughs> they're in the same family does that change yeah. things i i think that people are less apt to see avowed as the elder scrolls killer now i, I agree with that so the I, I've seen the Outer Worlds Harbinger. Or I'm sorry, I've seen the Outer Worlds called the Follow Killer. I've seen CD Projekt Red called the Bethesda Killer. I have seen Avowed called the Elder Scrolls Killer. Um, and I disagree with all of those because yeah. if when Avowed comes out, I'm going to buy that. When the Elder Scrolls Six comes out, I'm going to buy that. When when Cyberpunk 2077 comes out, I'm going to buy that. Right, it's all aimed at the same audience. Yes, yes. It, it, I'm not going like, like the existence of other games does not render other uh, any other games moot. You know, the only the only sphere I think in which that's valid, uh, like the the you know game killer uh, logic is valid, is MMOs because MMOs just eat up so much of your time and are such a persistent part of your life. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it works for kind of fad games like you know like yeah yeah like, like Fortnite. at some point people are going to start stop playing Fortnite. it's not going to be as fun because it's it's the same thing over and over and over again they can mix it up a little bit every now and then but eventually people are going to move on to other things same goes for fall guys among us or any other real popular online game i think those can be effectively killed just because they're fads they they come and they go and people jump one train to get on to the next 
So, but I, when it comes to single player RPGs, I don't think you have games that kill each other. Like, right. Ultima didn't die just because Arena and Daggerfall was released. Ultima just ended. Do you remember when Two Worlds was the Oblivion killer? <laughs> Oh my gosh, two worlds. <laughs> that brings up some memories. If you sure. guys if you guys want to laugh, uh look up the uh game the GDQ uh speedrun of two worlds that, that was put up, I think like last year. It's like two and a half minutes long and it's amazing. Yeah, that game was so hyped. It's so bad. So um one thing that got brought up that I, I wanted to I wanted to mention was um you were talking about how when people say Microsoft everyone immediately thinks of Xbox. I was thinking about how you know that's like word association like how yeah. you can say tissue or you can say Kleenex right and you picture the same thing Kleenex isn't a tissue it's a brand that sells tissues <laughs> but they're synonymous at some point so I was thinking what do you think of when you say PC gaming. Steam, I guess. And what if Microsoft bought Oh, Steam? no. <laughs> uh, hmm. Huh. Valve's a Microsoft company. They have... Oh, I mean, please, no. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, Valve is kind of richer than God now anyway. I don't, I don't think they have any incentive to being bought out. Uh, no, I don't think they do. But at the same time, um, yeah, no, yeah, you, you make a good point. But I, I can see Microsoft thinking about that, at least, because then they would be as synonymous with PC gaming as Steam. So. Yeah, can you guys hear Phil Spencer licking his chops from here? Because I can. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you just gave him ideas. Yeah, like okay, wait, I got a better idea. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna jump in and and kind of close out this talk, but I wanted to this topic, and I wanted to just for I've done this before, but I want to run through it very quickly. Some of the listeners may not truly understand the scope of what Microsoft owns right now, and to me, this list is still breathtaking um so back in 2013 um when they were talking about where are we going to go with with xbox are we going to scrap it are we going to jump in full force um you know uh what are we going to do um they only had seven studios at that time and two of which were already inbred studios microsoft studios um but now uh they had 16 and they've jumped to 24 um, so I'm just going to rattle these off very quickly and then a couple of games associated with each studio just so you get an idea of, of their acquisition at this point. Um, Obsidian Entertainment. So obviously that's uh, Fallout New Vegas, Tyranny, Armored Warfare, South Park, um, Pillars of Eternity, Outer Worlds, Grounded. In Exile Entertainment, that's The Bard's Tale, Wasteland 2 and 3, Hunted, Ninja Theory, that is uh, Bleeding Edge, Hellblade, Devil May Cry, Enslaved. Playground games, that's your Forza Horizon games in Fable. Um, Compulsion games, the We Happy Few People. Um, Undead Labs, that's State of Decay games. Uh, Mojang, of course, Minecraft, Minecraft Dungeons, Scrolls. Uh, Rare, it's GoldenEye. Uh, Perfect Dark, Sea of Thieves, Battletoads, and the upcoming Everwild game. 343 is Halo 4 and 5, Halo Remasters, and Halo Infinite. The Coalition, that's your Gears of War studio uh, and Gears of War Tactics. Um, Turn 10 Studios, Forza Motorsport. Um, Asobo Studios, Microsoft Flight Simulator, A Plague Tale Innocence. 
World's Edge Studios, um, which is your Age of Empires franchise, Age of Empires 4, which is coming soon. Um, Double Fine Studios, that's Psychonauts, Broken Age, all the old LucasArts Arch Adventures, Grim Pandango, those people. Um, Alpha Dog Games, they mostly do, um, I think they mostly focus on iOS games uh, or mobile games. Arcane Studios, that's Dishonored, Prey, Deathloop. Bethesda Game Studios, of course, we know. Starfield, Elder Scrolls, Zenimax Online, that's Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76, id Software, Doom, Doom Eternal, Machine Games, that's your Wolfenstein people, Tango Gameworks, that's the Evil Dead, uh, the Evil Within franchise. <laughs> um, and then we have two of these studios that are, have just birthed uh, with Microsoft, uh, Roadhouse and The Initiative. The Initiative, which is really interesting because that is headed by Daryl Gallagher, the guy from Crystal Dynamics, the one who was responsible for the Tomb Raider reboot. Um, that list is ridiculous. That's enormous. And and like it, it's all stars too. Like, I mean, I mean, rare. Yeah. I mean, like, just gaming royalty, you know. And yeah. it's all, all free to for Game Pass, right? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like what uh, parentheses I was saying. Uh, you know, it's Microsoft, which is their uh, ambition goal with this with the subscription service and. You know, I kind of think it's, it plays a part in the console wars because Microsoft actually doesn't even make these games exclusive. All they, uh, you know, all they pretty much just have to say is, hey, you know, you could get a, a PS4, you know, and buy the game for $70 or you can get Game Pass and play it for, you know, for $10, $15 a month. When I got Game Pass, the first month was a dollar. Yeah, and, that's, that's and a for a while I just kind of let it ride without even really re like remembering that I had it. That's what they're hoping. Yep. Yeah, and like it, it, it just does come across as like an insanely good deal, especially, especially if, like me, you spend like most of your free time playing video games. Well, what was it, Jesse? You were saying you were talking about three games that you want to buy, or th that's sixty dollars a game. That's you know you're already talking about a lot of money there, and all of those I think were Game Pass games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the ones I'm interested the most in right now are Avowed, Starfield, The Elder Scrolls, and uh, all the DLC for The Elder Worlds. Uh, the only one that I'm not interested, or the only one I'm interested in that it has no connection to Microsoft yet is Elden Ring. Oh, okay. I, I'm excited for Elden Ring and that'll be a day one buy for me, but I, I don't know if it's going to be on the game pass. So yeah, that would be, oh, man, Microsoft buying from software. Oh boy. Oh, they'd probably have to buy Bandai Namco first. Oh yeah. Well, Hey, don't put it past them. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, no one can, Manhandle Studios, like Bandai Namco manhandle Studios. So uh, EA. I'd be down for it. EA's the worst. I mean, yeah, EA. Right. EA. <laughs> EA does still exist. But uh, does this does this all mean that Microsoft's closest, like, analogous competitor would be uh, freaking Stadia? I don't know. I almost feel like... Does anyone... Can Stadia even work? Yeah, like that's, the, not, that's not going to last. Like I mean, the, promi I don't have the promise, the promise of Stadia speed to make that happen. <laughs> I just don't. 
like that's like the whole Amazon thing they just announced. What is it called? The their new gaming thing, which is supposed to be the same as you know what Google's trying to do and Luna. Wasn't it yeah, Luna, Luna, yeah. I haven't even heard of this. What? Yeah, you buy the controller and you play online, and it's the same thing as Stadia, basically. It's exactly the same. Yeah. But they're bigger. I mean, talk about somebody who could buy somebody. I mean, Amazon. I mean. True. A freaking Jeff Bezos could, like, personally buy <laughs> all of these studios. And Microsoft, probably. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um. But I, I, okay, so the promise of Stadia is such a cool thing to me. Like just needing a controller, play it on whatever device you want, you know. Um, but it just seems like they have just fumbled so. Like it's the it's the textbook definition of overpromise underdeliver, right? Like promise the world, and then when your product release it has like five games. You know, it lags like crazy. Like it, I don't know. And again, I haven't tried it for myself. This is all just secondhand information. Have any of you guys actually tried Stadia? I have not, but um, my my internet service provider. We don't have AT and T where I live. We have some douchebags called Antietam Cable, and uh, not gonna lie, they uh, they didn't even have uh, no data caps. I was limited to 700 oh. gigabytes every single month. Are you serious? Yeah, until the virus happened, I I had data caps and it sucked. Now, now I'm streaming in 4K. I'm doing everything just to just to screw them over as much as I can <laughs> in my mind. In my mind, it actually doesn't do anything to them. But um, but yeah, no. So it, it wasn't even an option for me if I wanted to play anything. And frankly, I don't think America has the infrastructure to support a stream a game streaming service like stadia i think i mean america straight up if you saw the underside of all the bridges that you drive over every day <laughs> you would you would be terrified so they're they're like basically it's like idiocracy where they they're like duct taping duct taping buildings together and stuff like that so i don't think we're gonna get uh I don't think Stadia is going to be viable for a very long time. I think Stadia, Stadia reminds me of, and these are probably things you, you may not even remember, but they're like the old Atari Lynx, the Neo Geo. They're like the Nvidia shield of this generation there. There it's just doesn't feel like it's going to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. No, I I haven't played Stadia. The only thing I I know from Stadia is just uh, ads for it, where that guy comes on and goes, Stadia. I think Stadia is a, at best, minus one generation product. It is a thing that is out way, way, way too early. It may be a harbinger of what to come, but it's like saying light bulbs in 1970, The infrastructure is not there. The server capacity was not there. The everything was not there. It may work eventually. Right now, not a chance. It's like it's like like you said. It's a, it's way too far ahead of its time. It's like one of those. Um, was it the the Genesis? It's one of the Sega consoles that actually oh, had the Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Yeah, it actually yeah. had like an Ethernet cable. Uh, oh connection yeah. on it. Oh yeah, Fantasy Star Online on that. It was actually really cool, but yeah, no one was it, ready for it. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's ahead of its time. It'll be great a hundred years from now, but probably not anytime <laughs> sooner. 
I, I think it's probably sooner than that. I think streaming, I mean, streaming games, I think, is is the next 25 years, so, something that will probably be viable with the infrastructure and everything that we've been talking about. I do think it's it's a genius idea. I just don't think it's going to hit right now. It's like, you know, it's the the shield for example is a good example you know that's that's before phones became the big mobile dominant gaming platform you know it it was long before that so they they had the right idea it just didn't it didn't fit and people didn't believe that company could pull it off and i kind of don't think that this one can either so it's it i think it's google doing the google glass thing again oh my gosh like they're putting something out it it almost seems like it's just to test the waters or something, right? Like it's Google, you know. They it feels like they should know better, but you know, in the end, it's it's all just people, right? I mean, and people can be wrong. It's the profits. It's this is a huge industry. There's no question that the gaming industry far surpasses any other entertainment medium right now. There's no yeah. question about it. If you look at the money that they make and the money that's generated, um from from gaming it just it just dominates and you know you want to get a piece of the pie so hey maybe we got all this surplus you know kind of like microsoft i'm sure they have google has plenty of surplus so they're like hey why don't we do something try something that's probably where it came from it's like that cave johnson quote in portal 2 where he's like we're throwing science at the wall to see what sticks (laughs) so well yeah Actually, I think that's an apt metaphor because actually I think that's one of the problems with Google. They seem to just have run out of steam. The, the corporate culture has... I can't remember the last time I was excited about anything Google did. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, mean I, I can't remember last time I was really excited about anything Microsoft did besides this. But, but, but still, you, it, it just seems to have ossified and it's, uh, it's a damn shame. Absolutely. And and I think I think that that's sort of the nature of these giant corporations is to eventually, like you said, ossify, you know, they 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 become sort of just petrified and such as such a static existence that when they do try to dip their toes into other markets, they're like, it's almost like they're like really out of touch. It's it's like um, it's like the how do you do fellow kids (laughs) kind of feeling. Yeah, they're they're like at some point they become immutable. They can't change. Yeah, they they cannot be changed either. Like they're just they're gonna stagnate at some point and just topple over. So Aloth, have you ever woken up to find your other half used your body during the night? I don't think I understand you, and I'm not sure I want to. Well, I've found that if I go to sleep hungry enough, I wake up covered in blood and delightfully full. Thank you for listening to Avowedcast, and thank you for being part of this amazing community that's developing around this future release from Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, remember, this is your podcast, too. We're always looking to hear from you, uh, and you can do that in a number of ways. You could join us on the air uh, in one of our recordings. If you're interested in doing that, just shoot us an email at avowedcast at gmail.com with your schedule and when you're available, and we'll figure something out. Uh, You can also uh, submit things to us, questions about Obsidian, Avowed, gaming in general, opinions and editorials, 
um, game experiences. You can do this in a number of ways. You can email us at avowedcast at gmail.com. You can post to us on Twitter at avowedcast. Um, you can also share stuff via Google Drive and Dropbox. But we also have a voicemail line, and if you want to call in and just leave a comment or ask a question, uh, you can do that as well. So the phone number for that is 202-810-4223. And we look forward to hearing from you, and thank you again for listening. We're going to leave you again today, like we always leave you, with the musical genius of Justin Bell. So join me for a minute. If you would, close your eyes. Think back to one of your many adventures in the world of Aora and get lost in the music.